Welcome to episode three of Trevor Talks, a podcast from www.footballwriting.co.uk. And I'm pleased to be joined today by the former Hungerford Town Chairman and current or new Gloucester City Chairman, Patrick Chambers. Patrick, thank you for joining me. No, it's a pleasure, Trevor. Good to, good to, good to be on. And lovely to actually have a chat away from burger bars and turnstiles and watching teams trying to avoid relegation as well. Yeah, no, well, that's been that's been my normal habitat, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, we've seen each other a good few times, actually, haven't we, over the last few seasons? Yes, we have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll come to... Uh, we've definitely come to the reason why I found out about coming to Hungerford a bit later anyway. Sure. Um, let everyone know, what do you do away from football for the day job? So the day job that pays the bills, because uh, football does the exact opposite, as we all know. Yeah. And the chairman who says he earns money out of football, then... He either needs to be locked up or he's lying, <laughs> one or the other. Uh, no, so we, we've got a family business um, specialising in residential park homes, holiday lodges, so developments out on parks. I've got a, quite a large development, sort of half an hour from where we live, um, just in outside Andover. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the day job, but a lot of my hours do tend to get consumed by football and, and, and Nicky uh, Hungerford in particular sort of became pretty much a full-time unpaid volunteer. I was going to say, how how does it leave any time for football? For, um, obviously, does something like that take you quite a distance across the country or is it fairly local, most of it, to where you are? Um, I've got, no, I've got developments further afield, so I'm just about to start another one. I've got 22 homes to start in August and that's about an hour and a half away, but but it's, it's manageable and, you know, the administration of it obviously is done in my office from home where I am now. And again, that's where I sort of do the administration, you know, of, of the football club. Um, yeah, Hungerford definitely took Nikki away from the family business. and She, she posted the odd brochure out, which we sort of, which we joke about. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, football football made me lose a very, very me me valuable member of my team. I can imagine. Um, but, the, but the football club, benefited massively absolutely so before Hungerford what was what was football for you, for yourself and Nicky uh, football for me prior to Hungerford you know everybody knows I'm a Nottingham Forest fan mm -hmm. Nottingham born and bred supported Forest pretty much all my life um was a sponsor with Forest in the 1990s had I had a box at Forest for a good a good few years um when I had a large business based in Nottingham yeah, um, but then when we we left our team in two thousand and five, went to live in Spain for seven years. Oh, lovely! And then when we came back in twenty twelve, we moved into Wiltshire. So, not really that practical being able to go and watch Forest. I got I got up occasionally. Yeah, but you know what it's like with life. You've know, got a son at university, another son at boarding school, doing stuff with kids on weekends. So football took a bit of a back seat. Really, it was became more of an armchair armchair viewer. Um, and then, yeah, just over four years ago, I kept talking about, oh, I might go and watch Hungerford because yeah. I knew I knew of a, a chairman of another club who told me about Hungerford. I was living like 15 minutes away. Yeah. And I was sort of saying, look, I, I need a bit of a hobby. Um, and, and I became a very accidental chairman. <laughs> so before... Before Hungerford, was there any 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 road into non-league you you'd taken, or was Hungerford the first step into 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 watching that level? 
I've never seen a non-league match in my life, not one. And I suppose I was part of a, a group of people that have perhaps a, a, an image of non-league football. Yeah. Of sort of, you know, kick it up to the big lad. And obviously, you know, being brought up with the Brian Clough era and the kind of football I was able to watch, I suppose I, I just had that sort of idea of it. But then you start hearing a few different things. And like I said, I was working with this guy who was chairman of the club, loved it. And he said, no, you, you know, you, you'd enjoy it. He said, but what's happened at Hungerford? They've had a benefactor. He's, he's got them up into the National League South and it can't last, were his words. So I started, started looking at their results. And you know what it's like? One week goes by, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And I never, I never went down. And then it must have been four or five minutes late, four or five months later, where I'd said to Nicky, you know, I, I need a hobby. I might go and start watching a bit of local football. Yeah. I was literally just getting ready one morning. Nicky was on Facebook. And she said, oh, you know how you were going to go and watch Hungerford Town? I said, yeah. She said, oh, the chairman's leaving. Treasurer's leaving. Secretary's leaving. Looks like the manager's probably leaving. You, you'd make a good chairman. I said, <laughs> well, if anyone's to hobby, just go, go and watch them. And, yeah, I got put in touch with the person who'd done this post who put me in touch with the chairman who was leaving and some other members of the committee went down, went down for a chat, watched the game, and 10 days later, I was chairman-elect. And uh, as I've often said, it was a bit like being in a beauty contest, but there were no other contestants. <laughs> so when you arrived, what was the... You said, obviously, the, the secretary went, the treasurer went. So you literally pretty much started from scratch at National League South level? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the player manager actually ended up becoming just the manager, Ian Harry. He, he was staying. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's very, very weird when you get involved in football because, obviously, from a business point of view, I thought, yeah, I can, I can help here. And, obviously, I knew quite a lot of the issues were financial, let's say. Mm. And I think, you know, when a football club has had a benefactor period of time, it, it's great. There's no doubt about it. You know, that's why Hungerford Town got promoted two levels whilst Nigel Warwick, you know, was the chairman and the benefactor. But once that person goes, it, it can leave almost like a, a trail of destruction. Yeah. Because I think I think it also makes people a bit lazy. So getting out, you know, getting commercial opportunities, getting sponsorship in, you know, working on getting the numbers all the things that a good business should do, I, I think, because there's so many volunteers, volunteers, I think it makes people think, oh, well, Nigel will pay. Oh, Nigel will pay. So Nigel was the shirt sponsor. Nigel was, you know, the benefactor. There weren't a lot of other avenues that, that were there that, to build the club. So when you went in, the first sort of thing, I suppose, really was to try and put it on an even keel and, and attract people into to putting some money into the sponsorship to, in, yeah. in effect, make the club grow. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guys that took over after Nigel left, you know, wonderful, wonderful people. But the strain it, it put on particularly, you know, the, the chairman in particular, who found himself where his hobby now was costing more money than perhaps what he really wanted it to and the pressure yeah. he felt he was under because to try and compete at step two 
you know, it's not easy. There's some huge clubs, isn't there? Ex-league clubs. And so it, it, it just burnt him out. And um, so, yeah, the first thing was, yeah, look at, look at how we could help it commercially. I was given an idea from the manager where the budget needed to be to be competitive. Yeah. And I think in our first season, we brought in nearly 50, 60,000 pounds worth of sponsorship and donations, n- new money, so to speak, yeah. of which obviously I was I was part of that. Um, but, but it still wasn't enough. It just still wasn't enough. Um, and obviously, it, it, come the end of, of, of that season, you know, the 1920 season, you know, we'd still suffered some problems and probably would have been relegated. Covid, whilst it was you know disaster for the country on the whole, it was actually a, it was it saved Hungerford's position in the National League South and gave me the opportunity to do a real overhaul of the way the club was run. The finances obviously brought in Danny Robinson, you know, from Thatcham Town. Yeah, and yeah, and then th- things changed, you know. But it, I needed that first year, I think, to just learn what it was like to win a football club. And I didn't get involved with player negotiations and things like that. And I perhaps didn't use all of my skills yeah. the way that it should be used. And, and, and anybody who knows me now, I, I don't pick a team. I don't pick a player. I don't decide who gets signed. I know there's some people who think I do, but I don't. Um, it's always the manager's decision. But I do the final negotiation with the player. Yeah. So I, I try and help the manager bring in that player so that it's a full you know, within budget, and sometimes, you know, the gaffer saying, no, "I really want this to play." But you've got to speak to the chair. Um, it, you know, it, it, the gaffer's the good guy. You know, look, look, my manager really wants you, but this is who we are. This is what we can afford. I promise you'll enjoy your time. You know, my wife treats the players like like a long lost son. You know, they get well fed. We have to we give them a positive environment, and and, and that worked, and it has worked. You know, and I'm still. Doing the same today, you know, with Tim Flowers. Tim was very, very happy to you know, go down that route because sometimes, you know, a football manager invariably has been an ex-player. You know, it is the negotiations their biggest skill set? Well, not generally, is it? No. No, you're right. So those two years where we didn't complete a season, how did that look for look for Hungerford? Obviously, there was the, the option of the loans from... Um, buyer, I think the the Premier League and the funding wasn't there. How did those two years sort of look for yeah. yourselves at Hungerford Town? So obviously the f- the first year didn't end, did it? It got right. just cleaned away, so we didn't get relegated. And you know, I, I think hand on heart, I think we would have been. Um, the second year, so Danny's first season with me, uh, my second season in charge. You know, we were actually sat seventh. You yeah. know, in a playoff place yeah. with probably the smallest budget that Hungerford had had for maybe six years. Yeah. Um, you know, even at step three, they were spending more money to get promoted. Um, but obviously, we we got a little bit lucky with a player like Ryan Seeker. You know, you know, you yeah. can't you can't say that we didn't have a bit of luck there. And then when I extended his contract, put in the release clause, you know, we we knew we couldn't replace him, so it, it made sense to. To have a deal, but so yeah, that season it gave us the chance to get on an even kills. Sadly, you know that that got stopped after fifteen games. Yeah, because um, there's no way we would have 
taken out loans to continue playing. And, and eventually at step two, that wasn't an option anyway. No. Um, step one, as you know, carried on playing behind closed doors. But step two, you know, we all stopped. So that was another season out of the way. But again, there was we had to build the new changing rooms, which quite funny, really, because when I first got involved with the club, I knew there was various things that needed doing. We had to build some more covered seating yeah. to stay in the league. And we'd, we'd collected a huge stand from Newbury that had been moved from their land. And we got volunteers to put it up, and we had a generous donation for, from actually Alan O'Donnell, who's now the new chairman, <laughs> um, to help us get it up. But um, it turned out we also needed to build new changing rooms, but nobody told me this one because they were so convinced we were going to get relegated yeah, that we wouldn't need to build new changing rooms. So <laughs> actually that, that season, and it was like, oh, yeah, we'd got to I don't know, the following March or something, but we managed to the foundation, you know, 70% of that, but we yeah. had to farm the rest of it, which was a bit of a challenge at the time. So then once the season restarted again, you put quite a good squad together, haven't you, as well? And that year, 2021, I think it would have been, yeah, 2021, 22. 21-22, yeah. That's when, that's when I first came across you guys, when someone right. posted a picture of that ball pit beast, the burger. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the same time, you're four for a score offer as well. So where did those two bits suddenly come along from? And then all of a sudden, you well, especially with the burger, you hit a bit of stardom thanks to Footy Scram. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Well, again, you know, Nicky has a determination to be the very best of everything we can be. Yeah, and I think we both probably share that trait. We both want to be the best, but that we can afford. And from a food point of view, there's there's no excuse to serve rubbish. You know, the, the, there is no need better to sell a burger for a pound more and have better ingredients because that's that's the difference. It's not it's not crazy money. No, well, you know, you know, you you you, you, you sample it, and once we were confident and we were sort of buying elements of the bull pit beast from three different outlets and like, yeah. chopping the onions on a on a match day. Night, yeah. yeah. So we, we, we just re- yeah, we just really focused on getting the ingredients right. Once we're ready, we said, okay, let's let's start burger wars. Let's get it out there that we, we're confident we do the best burger. And yeah, sure enough, various people came and you know, Curly from Soccer AM came, you came, you know, lots of people came, pine pine people. Yeah. People, you know, that involved with footy scan, and all of a sudden it did become, I suppose, a bit of a, a bit of a phenomenon, and that linked to the four for a score deal, which again, the only way we could survive being in a small postcode of six thousand people is we needed to be the best away day destination off the pitch. Yeah, and that's that's the only bit really a chairman can control properly. Yes, you hope you've got the right budget and you've got the right manager and. Once they cross that line, there's very little a chairman can do. So I focus very much on the match day experience and getting that absolutely spot on. And as you know, I was actually on the gate, you know, handing out the tokens yeah. for the four for a score, having a chat with people. And it, yeah, we just became popular and we had ground hoppers at pretty much every home game that had come just to try the burger. And then, you know, and then some of those ground hoppers, there was a couple that came from, from Wales. And uh, I think he ended up only missing about five games that season. Really? <laughs> yeah, he came with and picked his mate off for Cardiff. 
And funny enough, they said, oh, we're going to come to Gloucester now <laughs> because obviously it's closer for them. Brilliant. So, so that's the thing about non-league football, though, isn't it? That it can take just one small thing that can draw a lot of attention and a lot of people, you know, to your club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the, the crowd, when I first got involved with the club, was just probably just a tad over 200 as an average. Yeah. Um, that 21-22 season, I think we sat at 4-5-1. And this last season, even though we were in a relegation battle pretty much all season, where well, we were all season, and yeah. sadly did get relegated, it was still at 4-3-1. You know, so it's quite amazing, really, that, that, that our home support didn't desert us. And, you know, we became the destination for a lot of away clubs. You know, Dulwich Hamlet voted as the best away day. Eastbourne voted as the best away day. It's an old... I mean, there's so many National League South clubs. We got more away support because of the way we did it. Yeah. And I think as I was speaking to you the times I came as well, that the ball for school was actually increasing in figures as well, the more you Definitely. were doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, if you're an away fan and you know for 20 quid you, you're in, you've got your programme, You've got your meal deal, whether that's burger and chips, pie and chips, sausage yeah. and chips, chips, and you've got a pint or a drink. Well, you know, that's that's good value. Absolutely. You know, really I, I think it's by far the best, to be honest. That like I saw absolutely anywhere. I don't yeah. think anyone got anywhere close to matching that. No, and, and Hungerford are, are going to continue with that, even though they're going to be in the you know in the Southern League at step three. And that'll still be good value. You know, that'll still be good value at step three. At step two, it was ridiculous value, really. Yeah. But so many of those people who came and bought the four for score, they, they still bought another couple of points. Yeah. You know, so our, our spend per head was still very, very strong. And uh, our, and I spoke to the chairman about, you know, spend per head in the ground because it's, yeah. it's important. Yeah. And our spend per head was pretty much more than any other club I know. Brilliant. And, um, Good, yeah. Yeah, and more than double what what it was at, at Gloucester. You know, Alex and I would be chatting. And he said, I, I don't know, how, how on earth do you get that X amount? And I'm only getting Y. You know, but I, I think the bigger the crowd, the harder it probably does become, you know, particularly if you've got queues and things like that. But as you know, Nikki had huge queues sometimes oh, at the Snapchat. Yeah. But, but I, mean, that, I mean, that final game, home game I went to against Dulwich. Yeah. yeah. You know, the queue, queue is fantastic. That's yes, yeah, well. See. Yeah, so I think what was it, 719, I think. I think yeah. it was our biggest crowd of the season at the end. Yeah. You know, and I'm uh, great friends with, with Ben Clasper and, you know, Dulwich. They were gutted that I was going to leave and go into Gloucester. So even if Hungerford had stayed up and Dulwich had stayed up, they were saying, we're going to lodge an objection unless Gloucester City get put back in the south. <laughs> you know, we're having a bit of banter about it. And as it was, we both got flipping relegated. But yeah. who would have thought that could have happened? But it did. Absolutely. So just going back, just past that bit, the first, that, that second year, the 21-22, um, you were in and around the playoffs the yeah. whole season, literally, weren't you? We were. It, it, it was in our hands as well for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we, it, we peaked now. Which, you know, if, if you actually look at the points per pound spent, Hungerford would probably be top of any league step two. You know, because we, we were punching, you know, well above our weight with a very, very small budget. Um, but yeah, we, you know, it was an exciting season. And obviously, you know, he went to season, scored 31 goals. You know, he was second top goal scorer in the league. And 
obviously that's why you know Mark White Dawkin you know triggered his release clause and obviously we also lost young soul Angel Smith then to Maidstone yeah uh, because again he'd been a thorn in their side you know I think he scored and created goals in the away game and the home game and, you know, he was 20 at the time so we you know we lost we lost the, those two up front and, and last season we, we just replaced them you know, we just didn't replace them and we you know that's that's I think that's probably what caught us out more than anything else you think you, you kind of became a victim of the success you'd had the year before. Um, yeah. yeah every, everyone else then caught up with you. And because, again, as you said, with your smaller budget, you've always got to almost be one or two steps in front of those clubs with the bigger budgets, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Young Soul came from a, a step four club, you know, Slimbridge. Mm. You know, and, and we, we've always given players chances for lower leagues, but not that many end up as good as... As he did, yeah. You know, same as C. You know, he'd fallen. You know, he he played in the Premiership for you know Southampton as a as a youngster, but then had a bad injury, ended up out on loan. Slot. But this still kept him for four years. You know, so they obviously saw something in him. And at twenty two, you know, he'd finally he'd ended up at Yeovil, but even at Yeovil, he ended up out on loan playing against him. Actually, when he was to haven't haven't been trying to keep him in probably fifteen minutes of the ground. Yeah, you know we. We managed to bring him in that, that first season when we sat seventh. And obviously there was talk about what, what he could have earned elsewhere. And But again, smashing lad. And he was enjoying his football, which I think was really important to Ryan because he'd, he hadn't felt loved anywhere for probably two or three seasons. Yeah. And, and he felt the love at Hungerford. So, you know, he, he went on that extended contract. We had to push the boat out, but a few of us sort of, funded the difference, shall we say, but we couldn't have possibly replaced him for the extra we gave him. Yeah. And he agreed the two year deal with the release clause and, you know, the rest is history. As they say. And then the move to Gloucester, it's obviously materialised a little bit before the well, the, the it was known before the end of the season. I'd seen Yeah, we announced it back in January. Yeah, I'd seen Alex and Eamon had said that they were going to leave, I think, a bit before. Um, and um, I don't know, maybe I, I think I was a little bit surprised because Alex was, was one of the voices during that time when the clubs wanted to play on. Um, yeah, well, that's when we became friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Hungerford. thought you two had a very yeah, good friendship there. Yeah, I mean, you know, thanks to Alex and obviously Eamon, who've been involved with the club, I think now 27 years. Mm. And has saved them, you know, a few times from from issues. But Alex obviously came in, and he was the driving force to get them back into Gloucester, you know, and get yeah. the ground rebuilt, yeah. put in the three G pitch. And Hungerford actually played the very first friendly there, the very yeah. first one prior to that season, and um, that ended up three three. And of course, it was behind closed doors. We st- we got chatting, and then if you remember, there was that two week gap where the league shut down for two weeks while they were sorting bits and bombs out. There was yep. the hoo-ha about the, the money that was supposed to be run from the lottery, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> so we up at Gloucester again. That one was 2-2. And then, of course, the season ended after the 15 games. Gloucester was at top. And, you know, Alex had really, really splashed the cash. You know, he he's all in. You know, anybody yeah. who, who, who knows Alex, he is all in. And, you know, he, you know, he, he sent them pretty much full time. He was paying, you know, big, big money. James Rowe was there, some really good players. And all of a sudden, 
you know, his world sort of fell apart. You know, yeah. they couldn't carry on playing. They couldn't get promoted. Chesterfield then obviously nicked his manager and probably yeah. you know, lot, lots of his good players. Um, the following season, he, he still gave it a proper go um, with Groves first, which he then changed to, to, to Mansell. Um, I went to his 40th and we we, we chatted. You know, he came on my Chair to the Chair podcast, you know, a year last February. Yeah. And they were sat second from bottom and we were nudging the playoffs and we were even talking about the budgets. And, and he was saying, Christ, we're spending four or five times what you're spending. You know, who's got it right here? And, and then when he decided to replace um, Mansell, um, he, 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 I was also one of the chairmen that he, he trusted. Yeah. You know, we had a conversation. I knew who the candidates were. I knew all the candidates, of course, and he was asking my opinion and he asked a couple of other chairmen's opinion, um, you know, and, and and still was, you know, giving it giving it a real go. But crowds weren't quite, I think, what he hoped for this season. Yeah. And, you know, he's in property like I am. So not, not the easiest business to have been in, Yeah. you know, with the prices of materials and labour, things that have been going on in the world. So, you know, he... He needed to focus some time on his business, so he he sent me a statement last December, saying that he was definitely going to step away from the club, and basically it was up, up for sale. I didn't yeah. really know anything. I'd sort of met him once, but he likes to stay in the background. You know, Alex was the one that yeah, was definitely. out there, and yeah, and um, you know, he said. And a couple of times, tongue in cheek, even maybe a year before when we'd done that podcast, it was like you'd make a great chairman here, you know. And I was sort of like, hold on a minute, I have to be my own man. And, and Alex and I are great friends, but you couldn't, I couldn't say work for someone like Alex. It just, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, but then now it was like, look, no, we're going, we're going to step away. And we, we need to find people to, to take over the club, and there'll be an opportunity to. You know, to buy it, etc. So, Nick and I started chatting about it, and we also felt that we couldn't do much more at Hungerford. You know, the crowd wise. I was just going to ask that. Yeah, we, we we'd squeezed the lemon, uh, and I always felt that this season just gone with the expanded league, the strength of the clubs that came into the division, in particular. You know, yeah. Barchester, they were all huge clubs. Yeah, you know, with big budgets. You know, the teams that had come down as well, and I just thought I've got a feeling, especially losing Seeks, you know, and Sol. Yeah. And uh, you know, no surprise, the three smallest budgets in the division did all get relegated. Mm. It just felt that we take we we take them as far as we could, and the opportunity to take home, you know, hunger six thousand, lost us one hundred and sixty thousand. So. If we bring our brand of running a football club off the pitch, hopefully get a bit of luck on it. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. You know, and it's it's the largest English city that's never had its own league club. Okay. Yeah, it's quite a. You've certainly got a lot more potential in terms of what you can do off the pitch, haven't you? There than like you say, it's such a small six thousand. Um, you know, target that you were around Hungerford with 160,000 is a very big jump. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's huge, you know. And, and to be fair, in the National League North, you know, there's some massive clubs, isn't there? I think you've got one yeah. five, 
ex league clubs in there now with Scunthorpe, you know, coming down. Yeah, um, Darlington. You know, yeah, Hereford, Boston. Hereford, yeah, Boston. Yeah, obviously, Kidd is um, You know, like when Hereford come, you know, they bring a thousand fans. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be you know, just world for Nicky and I and Gloucester ended the season on an average crowd of 950. Wow. Well, you know, obviously, you've got the 3G pitch there as well. So you've got you've got the academy. You know, there's a huge junior section. You know, it's just a, it's a different beast <clears throat> to to run. And and Nikki, you know, is sort of the operations director. She's going to be very very busy. She'll, she'll still be pretty much full. Well, she will be full time. But there's some good people involved with the club, and also there's some good volunteers that have reached out to us that had been involved in the club, um, in, in in seasons gone by, but for one reason or another weren't anymore. And you know, we've had a real warm reception. Eamon has supported, you know, the deal that, that we've done. It's a friendly deal and, you know, ultimately the legacy that Alex has left with them being back in the city is huge. And potentially, you know, if Nicky and I do grow the club and do do well, well, that's also part of Alex's legacy, isn't it? Because it's only because of, yeah. you know, that friendship that, that this deal's happened. Absolutely. There's a lot of perception as well. Going back to the part-time and the, and the smaller budget is going to be more of a hindrance than a help. But when you look at the National League North, though, you know, um, as I think, as you said in 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 one of your interviews, that it, you know it can be done on a on a, on a part time. When you look at the likes of Brackley and Alfreton as well. Yeah. Well, well uh, what about the National League? Wilson, yeah. Maidenhead, Dorking, yeah, yeah. all part time. None of them. Really. Yeah. The four teams that did get relegated were all full time. So it's. Yeah, you, you need a bit of luck sometimes, but the, the biggest thing I noticed was there wasn't a single local player, you know, playing for Gloucester City, not one that lived in the yeah. city. And, you know, and you've got Danny Wright playing at Hamilton. Yeah. You've got Spencer Hamilton, captain of Chippenham, you know, helped them to playoffs, helped them to a first round FA Cup. Yeah. Joe Hanks, as good a box I think, South again, Chippenham. A policeman in Gloucester, Joe Parker, I think, ended up the top scorer at Chippenham. They, they live with like within 10, 15 minutes of the ground. Harry Williams, top goal, got the golden boot at step three, you know, in the Southern League. Yeah. Goals, was at Gloucester as a 19 year old. And, and all of those lads, apart from Danny Wright, had played for Gloucester in the National League South, but had never played in the city because obviously they got flooded yeah, in 2007 yeah. and they've never played in the city. So I think. You know, we've now got, I think, seven or eight players involved with the squad who are all local Gloucester-based players. And you've got five of them that weren't just involved at Step 2, but started every Step 2 game if they were fit. So we're not we're not trading down. No. Um, to Bristol, into Oxfordshire. But, you know, players coming from Manchester, London and... I mean, they were coming from all over and there was hotel expenses, you know, expenses because they were training on that hybrid format of of three mornings. Yeah. That's why some good players weren't, weren't at Gloucester anymore. And one thing I wanted to, like, ask around, having read the the interview bits that, that you've done sort of since January right up until um, a couple of weeks ago, 
the one point I was looking around the like you know the debt side of it, and you're quite right in saying that clubs have got to be at some point have to be sustainable. It's not you can't live yeah. without means for too long. And the one point three billion pound debt they've got, which is the director loans, isn't it for Alex and Eamon? Is. Is, is that something is. that gets paid back? I mean, like I say, you ha- you haven't got the interest on it, which is such a bonus compared to some what some clubs have got. But does that eventually get paid back to them? As and when you can, or is there a like a payment plan? No, so, so Eamon a- a- and Alex have got no desire to burden the football club moving forward with 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 their debt. They've okay. no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, we've got an agreement that we could purchase the freehold and the assets. Yes, I saw sometime that yeah. over the next three years. Yeah, and then obviously when when we do that, they will be able to take X amount of that payment back as a director's loan because that would be tax-free money. So the, the plan is we will be trading from a, a new company, which is being all, all agreed at the moment with the National League and the FA, because, as you know, you can't dump debt. Yeah. So a, any football-related debt. So if there was any debt still left from a football-related or trading point of view, we would have to deal with that moving forward. But obviously, direct loan debt is completely different because yeah. it, you know it, it, they're, they're not asking for it and, and they, they don't expect it. So it is what I call a, a very friendly deal. Yeah, and it's a deal that's been constructed to give Nicky and I the best chance possible of being successful. But likewise, I can't run up any debt. Yeah, so it has to be sustainable. So. We'll invest as as and when we can afford it, or or we need to find ways of, of funding it. Yeah. So, Eamon and Alex, as sort of freeholders, landlords, so to speak, are are protected because yeah. we we can't run up debt, we can't register any loans against you know any of the assets of the football club. Yeah. Um, yeah. Likewise, they they can't ask for that money back either. So, you know, it, it's probably as good a deal as you do because we've got that friendship and. You know, Alex and, and now Raven, you know, that they've seen the way that Nicky and I operate and they, they think Gloucester City are in safe hands. Yeah, sounds it. Sounds a very, very, uh, very good deal as it goes. I've got to talk about Tim Flowers. Yeah. Because when that when that cropped up, I was like, wow, didn't see that one coming. Um Because no. he didn't have the greatest time at, at, at Stourbridge. And obviously his time before that, I know... He was at Barnet, at not the not the greatest of times to be a football manager, I think, or indeed a football club chairman. But um, what was your the calibre of people that you had applying? Was there was it quite a range from sort of like people like Tim, who's managed at step one, down to sort of people at step four, three to yeah. step up? Yeah, there was there was a huge amount of interest, and there were some real quality candidates. Yeah, and once I sort of finalised my final three. Yeah. Where we, we sat and had really good conversations with all three of them. Um, made it very clear my strategy. Yeah. You know, that we've got to have the best local players. So they had to buy into that. They they decide which ones they would have. Yeah. And there was a list of sort of seven or eight that would be worth chatting to. Uh, and we needed, I would say, at least a minimum of three of those to get that a bit of an impact. Yeah, and to be fair, all three totally agreed, particularly with going to a, a you know a part-time format. Had a very open conversation, you know, with Tim. Obviously, 
you know, he was runners up with Solihull Moors. Yep. Um, and yeah, we 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 talked about you know the the, uh, the his time at Barnet, which mm. it was it was awful. You know, mm. you can't you can't dress it up, but he's also told me various reasons of of why that was awful. And sometimes it's not always what you see from the outside. You know, nobody yeah. really knows what's happening inside a football club and circumstances, budgets, whether things have been promised that don't happen. You know, and, and that's not for me to comment on either. But you know, after the conversations, I just, I just felt Tim was the right, the right man. And you know, obviously a very respected name in football. Yeah. Um, you know, he's won a championship. You know, he's been he's played for England, and he, he he's now got a a young, ambitious backroom team. So you know, Jan Klaus's joined as as his assistant, who was player assistant manager at Hereford, and then took the hot seat for a while. Yes, yeah, and he's know. very ambitious. You know, no secret really. Would he like Tim's job one day? Absolutely, he would. Mm. Um, but I think that's healthy. And then Stuart Fleetwood again, who's just finished his A license, was doing a bit of playing at Cinderford, but was mainly there, you know, at the twilight of his career to to do his coaching. Um, and he was coming across anyway to run our academy. Spoke to Tim and said, "Look, you know, the guy who's going to do the academy would love to be considered to be part of your backroom team. Yeah. Would it make sense to have that joined up?" Tim said straight away, "Yeah, definitely." So we've got a, a you know, a real good. Obviously, Jan was operating in the National League North with Hereford for a couple of seasons, so yeah. he knows that level well. Stewart's a very well-respected local player in the yes, North. Yeah. A good player, you know. Everybody says he was a very, very, very good player. So he was, he was very good. Yeah, you know. So uh, you know, it just feels that things are just dropping into place, and it, it just all makes sense. But yeah, Tim was. I, I, I just. I think at first, before I actually sat down with him, I thought he's not going to really want this job. Mm. <laughs> and the first time I spoke to him on the phone, I hadn't called him for a while, even though he'd contacted me and wanted to put his name forward. And I actually spoke to him and I said, look, Tim, I, I, I've got a feeling that the kind of strategy and budget that we're going to have going forward, I just, I, I just can't see it working for you. Yeah. And he said, well, talk to me. So I... I gave him some loose numbers of, of where we would be. And he went, no, I would like to sit down and meet you. Oh, so we did. Okay. You know, so you know, sometimes you can't, again, you think because he's won the Premiership, because he's he's been runners up in the National League, he's played for England, you think expectation, you just, and, and I knew he went to Stratford to sort because he knew the chairman and sort of was there to sort of just help out a bit. Yeah. Um, and just to keep his hand in. And he was doing a bit of work with Oxford United, a bit of scouting for them. And uh, but yeah, no, he, you know, he, he just comes across as a a very calm, which I think is really important for Gloucester next season. With you know, the, obviously the ch- change always causes a bit of turmoil, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, made the playoffs. He made it very clear that he didn't want to stay and go to the model, even though he's under contract for next season. Um, so we, you know, we. We had some very sensible conversations around that and how we could, you know, let him go basically. Yeah. Um, and, and Tim, I know it's a cliche, isn't it? A safe pair of hands and being a goalkeeper, but he he just makes me feel comfortable. 
you know, conversations with players who were you know, trying to recruit. Some you get, some you don't. Mm-hmm. There's no panic. Um, you know, it, we're happy with the recruitment we've done so far. Uh, and he wants to keep his powder dry on a, on, you know, on a few places. Yeah, I heard that in his interview as well. He like knows, that. yeah, he knows that there'll always be a few gems mm. suddenly appear just a few weeks before the season. And and I think I'll probably learn to be that last season with with Danny at Hungerford. Danny, you know, admits he got the recruitment wrong over the summer. We we went early, we went yeah. quick because we knew we'd lost seed and we knew we'd lost soul. Um. And we didn't get the recruitment right, you know, and, and we probably should have kept our powder dry and picked up, you know, some of the players that actually joined us for those last sort of 10 games of the season. If we'd had them all season, I think it could have been, you know, very, very different. And suddenly got injured. You know, so I, I also learned some lessons from that. So actually it was music to my ears when Tim said, no, 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 I just, I just get a, a small squad. We'll have a few lads on trial and, you know, People will come out of the woodwork, and they will. Yeah, I don't think he's wrong. I think um, as well, speaking to Dean Brennan quite often, the the Barnet manager, and that the amount of players that are out of contract this year, um, and with clubs, I think holding such smaller squads than they did, <clears throat> excuse me, four or five years ago, it is pushing mm-hmm. a lot of players down. And uh, you know, when you know when Tim uttered that line as well, I thought you're not wrong to do that because there'll be. There will be players a week or two before the season kicks off that have got nowhere to go, and they if they want to play football, they're going to take what's put in front of them. Yeah, I mean, we even think there's the odd player that we've we've spoken to who, let's say, have expectations that we can't meet financially. Mm, they know where we are, low. and and they haven't burned their bridges. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they're they're waiting. Yeah, to see if they can get. A better deal, yeah. Maybe at our level or the level above, but I've got a feeling one or two of those will end up signing for us, yeah, and I, within I, I, our budget, you know, because yeah. we've been honest with them. Mm. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think a lot of clubs are going to be in the same boat as well. There's going to be there's there's a lot wanting some silly numbers at the moment that we found last year at Barnet as well, that the closer they got to the, to the start of the season, they were hanging around and hanging around and some didn't even end up getting National League. They were happy to drop down because they're literally, they, you know, missed the boat by not taking what they could have done. Yeah, yeah well, that's always the case, isn't it? And, and we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be a big squad. Um, but also, you know, Tim's got some connections. You know, you know he's been involved in football all of his life. You know, Jan's got some good connections. I, I think we'll get offered, you know, two or three really good loan players for what I would call very, very sensible money. You know, I, I as a chair, I'm happy to have a conversation, you know, with a with another club and say, look, why, why would we pay you to make your player better and give them experience? Yeah. You know, the, you know there are, you, you can get some really good loan players. Yes, they need to play and, and, and that's a given. And if they're good enough, they, 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 you know they will play, won't they? So, you know the, the loan market just give you that little bit of quality um, for very sensible money. Absolutely. So, doing what you did, like with Hungerford, commercially wise, what Nicky did, the the ball pit beast, the four from score. What can we expect to see at Gloucester City yeah. next year? Well, obviously, 
the burger will come with this. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, have you got a name for it yet? Beast. Well, we've 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 toyed with a few. Yeah. So obviously, we're now known as the Tiger Tower Stadium. So it could be the Tiger Tower. Mm, okay. Um, but the official name on the Royal Mail is actually Meadow Park. Yeah. So it could be the Meadow Park Monster. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what, what, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> and what else in terms of, are you sort of, are you planning something like four for a score again or adapting that into something slightly different? Yeah, I think I, I think we might introduce something, but we might go through the first couple of months and, and see where we're at. Because obviously at Hungerford, there was a, a huge need to... You know, build build crowds. Yeah. Obviously, we're we're inheriting a fairly a fairly healthy crowd. I mean, we would like to get an average up to fifteen hundred plus in our first season. Yeah. Um, and that's the plan. And obviously, we we we've been quite open. We're we're looking at going fully segregated next season. Yeah. I um, that. Yeah. So that we can basically give the home fans the the TN, which is what what they want. Yeah, and there's there's a way we can we can do it. So obviously at, at Hungerford there was just the, the two turnstiles, Simon on one, me the other side doing the the tokens. So it's yeah. a it's a different beast, you know, two bars, three food mm. outlets. So it's slightly diff, more difficult to manage logistically. But if we think there's the odd game where we can introduce something, there might be something we might call it like the hat trick. It might be three things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, well, I'm sure we'll, you know, innovation is something we love. Um, but at Hungerford, it, it it was necessity; it was essential. Um, so I think we want to get the food offering right, get everything running spot on, uh, which I know Nikki will do. Um, and then and then we'll look at you know introducing other other things. But the food offering will, you know, it will be top quality, um, and and that you can be assured of. Absolutely, and just before we finish on that, was have the season ticket sales been quite, quite good, quite reasonable so far? Well, so here's an exclusive for you. Yeah. So obviously, I took over officially on the first of June, but I'd been acting chairman for a few weeks before that. Yeah. So obviously, to get the new bank account open, you've got to verify your trading address. Yeah. So you couldn't make this up. So the the football stadium. With Royal Mail and the council, it doesn't exist. Really? Got flooded in 2007. And then Royal Mail, because they don't want staff going to a derelict building, yeah, they classified it as demolished. Right. And when they moved back in three years ago, but of course the bank account was already trading yeah, because it was the same bank account they'd always used. Yeah. It, it, the, the address never got reactivated. So I finally... It showed up over the weekend. After you, you wouldn't believe what we had to go through. Even though we spoke to the council, street naming and numbering, because Royal Mail, you need to get street naming and numbering to let us know yeah. that the building is. Then we can create it live. Get the thinking, this is mad. So we're speaking to the council, and the, we finally got through to the two guys in that department, and it doesn't exist. And, and one of the guys, he's actually said, "But I've been to a few matches this season." <laughs> So we couldn't launch the tickets on the platform because obviously yeah. it needs to be linked to the bank account. But I'm I'm hoping 
in the next 24 hours, everything will be live and we'll get we'll get early bird season tickets up and available probably till the end of June or even the first week of July. We'll give people a little bit longer because we've had to wait uh, and, and then it'll be normal season tickets. But yeah, I, I think we're expecting to do sort of, you know, 200, 250 season tickets. So that, that, that'll be good. Brilliant. Patrick, thank you very much for, for, for coming on today. Really, really appreciate your time. Pleasure. And um, good luck to yourself and Nicky at Gloucester. And of course, I will be I will be down for the, the Tower Burger or the Meadow Stack, which, whichever it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll look forward to it. Well, I'll, I'll still be there doing my thing. And Nicky will be out. Well, obviously, Nicky will have more outlets, so she might have to be... Um, Running the <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be a bit, little bit different for us. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much for coming on, Patrick. Pleasure, mate. Cheers, buddy. Be lucky. Bye.